0: Hi everyone, this is Austin Bridges welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast In The Now, Episode 6. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community, and towards this end has two websites, the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us here at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Jim McCarty, husband to the late Carla Ruckert, scribe for the raw contact, and president of LL Research, along with Gary Bean and myself, who are working hard to keep the mission of LL Research alive and well, each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We will be here discussing questions that are sent to us from spiritual seekers around the globe. Our replies to these questions are not final and authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. We always ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. To do so, you may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Austin Bridges, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast in the now. Is everybody here and ready to go?
1: Here and ready.
0: Here and ready. Alrighty. And we are uh, continually working on our audio for the podcast, and I think we've got a decent setup going now. Um, uh, We start these questions with a question from Scott M. via email, and uh, we started Scott's questions a couple of weeks ago, so we're going into uh, his later questions here, and he writes, greetings in the love and light of the creator of foreverness. My study of the Law of One inclines beginning the search for knowledge within myself. However, such search reminds me that other selves are essentially different units of perspective-slash-consideration of the One, of which I am a part. So, in efforts to account for more perspectives-slash-considerations that I value, I'd like to offer some of my postulations on the Law of One for your consideration-slash-feedback. And, the next one up for our consideration-slash-feedback is... Seeing love in everything is somewhat akin to appreciating the full spectrum of art, despite it including horrific depictions. Should war-slash-horror movies-slash-novels cease to exist simply because they elicit negative emotions, droves of nice people would even say no.
1: (laughs) Well, um, I think that what he says is absolutely correct. Uh, What Ross said about this is that um, there are no mistakes can you hear me? Because I'm not getting the feedback I usually do with these type of microphones.
0: Yeah, we can hear you. Um, it might not be as loud as the one downstairs, but you're coming through loud and clear. Okay. Yeah, beautifully. Also, to um, where
2: the gain is also um, affects how well you hear yourself through your earphones, I notice. If I turn the gain down all the way, I don't hear myself through the earphones. If I turn the gain all the way up, I hear myself a lot through the earphones.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, since there seem to be no mistakes, then that really means that whatever happens, whatever person you come in contact with, whatever experience, whatever thing is in your existence, your daily round of activities is there because it is part of the one creator existing to help you learn certain lessons or provide certain services. So even the most horrific of events, the most heinous of crimes, the most puzzling of people, all have a purpose. We all are here to help each other learn more about how we are part of the same creator. And it is indeed a puzzle. And it's something that most people for their entire lives do not have any inkling about because we seem to create the feelings that, well, there's good and there's bad and we want to get rid of the bad or at least put them in jail. But um, there is something to learn from everything and everyone. I mean, you look right now, what's happening in South Carolina at uh, Mother Emanuel Church, where this uh, young man came in with his uh, um, uh, his flag of the Confederate States, his forty-five caliber, and killed nine people. And what has come from that is that a tremendous outpouring across the country for those folks that were shot and for everybody in general that wants to provide a better experience for all Americans to erase the last parts of racism, to take down the Confederate flag in uh, South Carolina because it's a symbol of uh, well it's not just heritage the heritage there is slavery so we don't need that anymore and it might well be that this young man made an agreement with those nine people that he would be the uh, perceived villain that they would be the perceived victims and that together they would bring this country together in a way that wouldn't have been possible before him so i think we need to look at everything and every person that comes before our notice to uh, Give it a wider possibility, a wider birth, uh more depth and, and possibility in everything that happens to us. How about you, Gary or Austin?
0: Hmm. Go ahead, Gary.
2: Um, I think, Scott, your statement regarding art is an apt and enjoyable statement. Uh, the more one awakens to the nature of love and the more the awareness expands accordingly, the more that the entire creation can be perceived as art with a capital A, Uh, It being understood that the artist is the one infinite creator. Um, As to the should these bad things exist question, really Doug Jim's response. And to add to that, I would just quote um, Ra talking about how everything that happens in this universe is the creator knowing itself. In 31.3, Don is asking about um, bisexual mating, um, or the mating between two different genders, and says, would this then be the primal mechanism for the creator to experience self? Ra replies, this is not a proper term. Perhaps the adjective would be, quote, one appropriate, unquote, way of the creator knowing itself. For in each interaction, no matter what the distortion, the creator is experiencing itself. So I like that Ra says there, in each interaction, no matter what the distortion. So that applies to those events and episodes and acts that we would call horrible and heinous and wicked and evil. In those two, the creator is knowing itself, no matter how distorted it may be, the creator is fully present. Uh, Ra also indicates as much in 27.8 and 9, um, Don is asking about the first distortion uh, being free will. Ra says that in this distortion of the law of one, it is recognized that the creator will know itself. And Don asks again, then am I correct then in assuming that the creator will know itself Yes, I am reading that, right? That the creator will know itself. The creator then grants for this knowing the concept of freedom, total freedom of choice in the ways of knowing. Am I correct? Ra confirms and... I guess that ends there. Ra confirms that Don (laughs) was correct, that um, each... Each speck of dust, essentially, in this infinite universe is invested with that free will and has total free will to explore um, its own path of evolution. And that includes, unfortunately, from our heart and moral perspective, uh, negative X. So it seems what I'm trying to say is that it's written into the very fabric and design of the universe from the absolute first step
0: Austin. um i agree and i think i'm taking i'm going to take scott's uh, analogy a bit further where he says at the end here that droves of nice people would want to essentially censor art which depicts horrible things And I think that there's a mindset that sort of contradicts the mindset that we adopt as students of the law of one. And that other mindset is one which says we should not come to love the atrocities that play out on a human level as loving them would mean a sort of tacit approval or a lack of desire to change those things. And I think that this is the same mindset that would attempt to censor the art which depicts these things. I think uh, with this idea that depicting these things to be consumed for quote unquote entertainment helps to desensitize our reality and, um, they feel like that art is counterproductive in, uh, spreading love. And I, I do think it, is not appropriate to censor art. Art is derivative of our cultural mind, conscious and unconscious, and to simply cover it up and to not allow it to express itself would create an unhealthy repression in this cultural mind, I think. Art can help shed light uh, where we as a society, where we are as a society and as a culture, and to ignore art would be allowing truth to remain within that darkness of the unconscious minds, and this seems counterproductive to me. But there is something I struggle to wrap my head around in uh, contemplating this other mindset and in how we find love within these things without seemingly condoning them. If the same love is in war as there is in a birthday party, what motivation is there to stop war? If, uh, in this sense... I fully understand those that want to call for censorship and fail to have an adequate response to many objections that someone might have uh, for depicting the darkness of humanity in an art form or, in translating this analogy, objections to attempting to find love in these dark places. It's something I struggle to uh, contemplate and I was wondering if you guys had any uh, responses to that. On the question of art depicting
2: the dark side of humanity, I see if it is genuine art and if it comes from a genuine artist, I think it has enormous positive potential, even to depict uh, negativity in that it shows us to ourselves and opens the door for contemplation and perhaps uh, even transformation. And uh, art has a way through symbol and proportion and form of helping us to access portions of our mind that um, language and rational, linear, analytical thought may not be able to go. At the same time, our culture um creates what i would call entertainment not art per se though it may borrow some of the values from art i think we have a propensity to um, indulge in uh, these negative depictions for the sake of profit for the sake of distraction and for the sake of being entertained Where to draw that line between entertainment and art is uh, open for debate. But I think those are two distinct enough categories um, that they deserve to be evaluated differently.
1: Carla said that um, we were all 360 degree beings. That was one of her most famous and persistent quotes that we all have a dark side. And that, I think, reflects that uh, people in general, our culture, and the planetary population has a dark side too. We're all composed of the light and the dark, and at certain times we want to accentuate certain things. And I think that the nature of the spiritual journey is one of paradox. And if we look at things as being basically okay, however they are, you would think that you wouldn't move forward in any direction. But I think if you look at either leaving the art as it is, so it has a free expression of its nature and of the population it represents, or if you try to censor it because there's something about it you don't like, the either action is okay because both actions show us something about ourselves. There really isn't any way not to learn. There isn't any way not to serve. We're always serving the creator. There really are no mistakes. So... It's all really okay, and if somebody else wants to disagree, that's okay, too. (laughs) You really resolved a lot there, didn't I? Thank
0: you. (laughs) You Actually, I do. I think paradox is probably at the heart of it, because I don't um, have—I mean, I do have this mindset that there is love to be found even in the most difficult places, uh, and— a lot of that comes from my exploration of the law of one. And that is what Ra says is that the primary, the uh, primary goal of this density is to find love within the moment and, um, moments can contain very dark things. Uh, I, but I think, I guess, uh, the paradox is that, uh, not everybody, um, is aware of the greater picture and, uh, I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say here. I might edit this out. <laughs>
1: I would edit out all the bad stuff I do in my life too. <laughs> yeah.
2: I was. i um, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gary. I had a thought, but if if you if your own is still evolving, no, go ahead. So as I was listening to Jim speak about um, how censor it promote it leave it as is there are no mistakes there's no way not to learn um that seems to suggest that i won't take that tact i i began thinking about something like the roman Colosseum, where the roman empire would have gladiatorial games and uh allow two human beings to fight each other to the death and have um, some pretty other grotesque things happen for public spectacle and uh, on one hand from the big picture that is the creator knowing itself there are no mistakes and um, it is could be filed under the category free expression this is what people want to do let's have at it Uh, At the same time, I think that a a cultural group, a societal group, a collective, has the capacity to look within themselves, examine who they are, um, assess their values, and to collectively say, if not in unison, then at least in the main, to say... Um, something like the gladiatorial games no longer reflects our values or who we are so we need to draw a line there there are probably still people in our society or around the globe who would enjoy seeing something like that but the majority of humans have decided uh, that that is no longer um, who we are that's a thing of the past we need to say no you legally cannot do that any longer So and that ties into could say those who want that kind of event say uh, that's my free expression to hold an event. And if people want to participate in it, they should be free to do so. So to deny me that right is censorship. Then I think maybe there is a role for censorship in that regard.
0: Yeah, I think it's a hairy issue. I think your distinction between entertainment and art is useful in this discussion. Um, But I think if we go too much further, we might just derail the original topic completely. But um, uh, like you were saying, the difference between art and entertainment, um, there are still things that we entertain ourselves with that are depict things that are even uh more heinous than the gladiatorial games uh it's just that nobody actually gets hurt so there is some uh human values being reflected and um projected out into the culture through that Uh, but we are still consuming that depiction of the the heinous um acts and uh it's the, I guess the question would be whether or not censoring entertainment would be the same as censoring art, mm-hmm. and uh, the commentary on whether consuming this entertainment where these depictions take place would help society evolve, whether these things that are entertaining us are perpetuating the problem, or uh, if they are more art and are just depicting things that really exist within our unconscious mind to begin with, since we are as Jim was saying, and as Carla said, 360 degree beings. But, um, I think that's probably a bigger discussion for another day. Maybe
1: I like to add one more thing to what I'd said before. And that is okay. even though I can see how everything would be okay, either to express the art in whatever way you want, no matter how heinous the topic or be okay to try to censor it because you think you're, you know, we're offended by it. I would probably choose a point of view. And in most cases it would probably be to, um, support any type of expression of art because it's free speech and we need to have that. We need to have people telling us what they really have found within their own psyches and their own beings, see if it has anything to say to us. So though everything could be seen as being all right and there's no mistake, I would still think I would choose a certain course to follow. Um, I would not want to, for example, accentuate my dark side. I might want to accept it within my being and try to, uh, humanize it and, uh, get what I could from It's strengths, but I would want to be a positive, light field entity, and I want to choose that path. So I think even though there are no mistakes, we do choose paths that we try to follow as purely as we can because that is the way we increase our polarity and our uh, learning and our service to others.
2: And a couple quick points, if I could. Yeah, go for it. If this pushes it over, you can just delete it. Uh, The two points that come to mind are one that uh, Don asked some really fruitful questions about Ra's own third-density experience and how those who were of a harvestable orientation on Ra's home planet related to those who were not. And uh, Ra basically said, if I remember correctly, that uh, to those who want to sleep, only the comforts of sleep could be offered. So I... Extrapolate from that, that Ra was not on any sort of crusade to correct um, deviant behavior or regressive behavior or non-polarizing attitudes, but rather um, attempted to serve as they could and tended to their own evolution and polarization. And that ties into my second point, which is that um, putting anybody into a position whereby they make decisions for others or even on a societal level. Um, gets really tricky and the law of one really doesn't seem to say that the positive entity uh, makes, I'm stumbling, uh, makes decisions for others per se, but rather the positive entity tends to their own uh, self. As being the domain where where their work belongs, and attempts to be of service as the service is requested, but otherwise is not um, trying to stifle or stymie or censor others in the main. But you know, as we've touched on, there are many nuances, and there's a lot of context to this.
0: Yeah, there is. I think this could make a good topic for maybe an entire show someday soon. Um, any other final thoughts on that one before we move on to Scott's next point?
1: I think we wrung everything out of that we can.
0: Yeah, not for me. No. All righty. Well, Scott's next uh, postulation states, Raz's statement that we're here to entertain ourselves means, at least partially, that our veil slash five sense limitations is designed to allow us a more concentrated experience of a tiny unit of foreverness similar to how a microscope allows greater visual detail at the expense of the fuller picture. Um, Before we fully get into it, I want to ask you guys if you agree about Ra making a statement that we're here to entertain ourselves.
1: Ra used the word amuse ourselves. Okay.
2: Yeah, I had that quoted for the benefit of the listener. um, I can read it real quick. Yeah yeah in 1.7 Ra says in truth there is no right or wrong there is no polarity for all will be as you would say reconciled at some point in your dance through the mind body spirit complex which you amuse yourself by distorting in various ways at this time this distortion is not in any case necessary it is chosen by each of you as an alternative to understanding the complete unity of thought which binds all things
1: in other words, he decided to incarnate from uh, the spiritual realms and learn some lessons down here. We don't really have to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, I I didn't think about that quote. The one I thought that he was referencing was in session 18 where Ross says, The proper role of the entity in this density is to experience all things desired, to then analyze, understand, and accept these experiences, distilling from them the love light within them. Nothing shall be overcome, that which is not needed falls away. So I thought he was uh, saying that to uh, experience all things desired would be equated to entertaining ourselves, which I thought there's a fine distinction there, but um, not one that is so big that we can't discuss this question based on it.
2: Yeah. My mind Um, immediately went to the word amuse like Jim as uh, thinking where
0: Scott was coming from. That makes sense. So what do you guys think about his postulation?
1: Uh, Alston, why don't you go first? Um I feel kind of funny going first all the time. I used to be last all the time. I'm really r- really good at last. So <laughs> right. why don't you give a shot at first? You'll
0: bet, yeah, bet I can up. I can take that. Um I think that the analogy of the microscope that he uses is pretty apt. And um It's interesting that Ra continually talks about the focusing of intelligent infinity and a refinement from each subsequent sub-logoi, which is offered to it from its logos. And so, in a sense, you know, the lens of a microscope is a focusing of, of our perspective. And I think that that could probably play along with Ra's discussion of focusing of intelligent infinity, that we are a very finely focused portion of intelligent infinity. And I think the analogy can get even more interesting if contemplated. And are we under the microscope or are we looking through the microscope? My interpretation of the great mystics throughout the ages is that our journey is to learn to see ourselves... As both, or at least as the observer looking through the microscope, I think some may seek to obliterate any identity of the entity under the microscope and identify fully with the observer looking through the microscope. But I think the law of one tends to encourage us to include both as a recognition that we are both under the microscope and we are looking through the microscope. And I think that the aptness of the analogy is uh, somewhat supported by the fact that mystics throughout the ages who seem to have achieved a sort of enlightenment um, didn't also inherit a sort of omniscience. Uh, Scott talks about how we don't see the full picture because we're looking through the microscope. And it would be the same way. Even if we are the observer through the microscope, we are still looking at something very specific. And uh, for all intents and purposes, the enlightened state um, is still limited to our senses, our culture experiences our knowledge base from our littler selves and uh the awareness has simply seemed to travel up through the microscope lens and it's fully aware that this is only a small picture that it's a minuscule aspect of the truth but um It's also aware that it's a choice to be peering through the microscope, that even though there is a larger world, we are limiting our perspective, and uh, it recognizes this as a truth and realizes it's observing something under the microscope as well as uh, being something underneath the microscope. How about you guys?
2: Well, since Jim wants to back clean up on this one. Uh, I'll respond and say that uh, I agree as well that the third density incarnation really narrows the viewpoint and limits the focus so that, at least initially, only a seemingly quote-unquote partial picture is viewed. Uh, I believe that this is part of the design to help facilitate our work upon key lessons. Uh, However, I think that the limitations of the viewpoint can, I think as Austin was indicating as well, with adequate work and consciousness, be transcended such that, as you said, the full picture can be regained or remembered or restored. And to riff a little bit on what Austin was saying about how in the enlightened state, one is still basically working with their local context. Um, The culture that they grew up out of, the the gender of their body, um, the history of their planet, their particular sector of the universe, uh, so on and so forth. I believe that that is true. Um, The enlightened entity has connected that seeming small picture to the big picture. And in so doing, uh, the small picture reveals the big picture because as Ra indicated we live in a holographic universe. And the tiniest iota, I believe was their word, of the manifest universe contains the entire thing, the whole pie. So no matter how localized or particular or specific, if um, understood correctly, that particular thing reveals the general thing, the all thing them's my thoughts
1: (laughs) if you uh, look at what we know about the totality of experience in the universe and imagine it to be some sort of a light we would be in a pretty dark room because we don't know a lot but if you look at what we've programmed into each incarnation as our own personal lessons and look at that focus that we've got there we're shining like ross said this little light in the darkness and we're learning a A little bit about what we've come to learn and if you take all of the different incarnations that we've had throughout all of our histories and every density then we're collecting a a lot of light at the soul level now we're not aware of that so much at the personality level here in the third density but overall we are adding to our light but we're able to add to it here in the third density by shining that focus of our attention very intensively for the duration of the incarnation And in this way, we are able to illumine the soul nature of ourselves in a way that would not be possible if we didn't have this bright light in this great darkness. Because I think Ross said there was at least 100 times more catalyst here in the third density than there is in any succeeding densities. So in those densities where more is seen and experienced as the uh, unity of the creator, or even go back to when there was the mind-body-spirit. A pickwick? You just run into the microphone. Uh, <laughs> where there was just the mind-body-spirit, it wasn't complex. Everybody saw that everybody was the creator, no more than anyone else. So there wasn't any real reason to move forward, to go, you know, to let either love or fear motivate you. But here, we're motivated all the time because we have just this little bitty viewpoint through which to look. So I think that's that's what we're doing. We're we're adding to the overall light in our soul, in a very dark, third density experience.
0: Interesting answers. Any follow up on that one, Gary?
2: Mm.
0: Uh, no, I shall
2: decline now. I appreciate both okay. your answers.
0: Well, we're coming up uh, near our time. Thank you, Scott, for those questions. And Jim, did you want to send us out here?
1: Yeah. I want to thank everybody again for sending the questions, for listening to us, and for sending us your love and your light. We appreciate it so much, and we love every one of you. And we hope you have a great week. We look forward to seeing you here or hearing you here or being aware of you here next week.
0: You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to submit a question, please read the instructions on our page at www.llresearch.org. New episodes are published to the archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk with you then.